Tov, everybody. Okay, today's daf is Chav Gimel, and we pick up on the Mishnah of um, of Chav Um And oh no, I'm sorry, I correct that. Today's daf is. I was testing you. I was testing you. Okay, today's daf is Chav Today's daf is Chav and we pick up at the new parak at the bottom of Chav and Bet. Okay, here we go. Arusa. The Shomer Yabam, now that we've sort of gone through the procedure, okay, and by the way, I want to remind everybody, contrary to the popular myth or imagination, not yeah, only, right, not only in the Torah does she not die, but even in the Mishnah and the Gemara, it never says she dies. The one line is, get her out lest she beca- make the Azarat Tamei, and the Gemara interpreted that to mean lest she become a Nida. So, just want to remind you of that, because that's not the popular imagination. Anyway, turning to the uh, next parak, now that we're done with the whole process, we began... Uh, I don't know. Now that we're done with the whole process, we go back and we look, again, at sort of at a classic halachic analysis, right? Normally it's unusual, right? Not unheard of, like you get a lot in Kudshim or whatever, but unusual for a series of Mishnayot to be describing a step-by-step process, right? Normally it's sort of talking about the criteria, the categories, who's in, who's out, etc. So that's the type of thing that now we uh, shift back to, identifying which types of people qualify and don't qualify and, and similar issues. So, Arusa v'shomer yabam lo shetot v'lo notlos ktuva. So, a woman who is in Arusa, she's betrothed, she accepted kiddushin like the, nowadays the ring or whatever, and in, you know, from the man, which means that legally she's married. If she commits adultery, it is the same act of adultery and she would be executed if there was witnesses. Um, it means that she would be forbidden to her husband. Um, the, you know, it still would be mamzerim, the whole nine yards. The only difference is is that the marriage is on the, at this stage on paper because they have not yet begun a lived married life together which means that the uh, right which means that the sort of reciprocal obligations aren't present they're not having sex they're not you know sort of making house together etc that's the Arusa the Shomer Yabam is the woman whose husband died leaving her with no children and now there's a brother and she is awaiting that brother to either do Yibum she is awaiting Yibum or possibly Chalitza in that case there's only an Isser Lav for her to, uh, let's say, uh, sleep with another man um, or marry another man. Um, nevertheless, though, what's present now is seen as Zika, some type of continuation of the relationship with, of the marriage with the dead brother, and that sort of existing quasi and potential with the current brother. So that is also a type of relationship that is not complete, but, uh, you know, but there's a quasi thing going on here that could be actualized. So the, on her? Yeah. So the Allah is... There's more than one? Like, well, the Allah is... So if the husband or the brother um, does kinoin and the woman goes into seclusion, then they cannot be forced to drink. And because they cannot be forced to drink, but they do become forbidden as a sota, that's implicit. Um, so here's a woman that's going to be forbidden to her husband because she's a sota, not definitely committed adultery, but suspected and it's gone through the process. So she's forbidden to her husband and she can't drink to resolve it, so she doesn't get the ksuva. And we're going to discuss in a minute what happens when it's nobody's fault, but the basic rule is when it's her fault she does, that she can't drink, she doesn't get the ksuva. When it's his fault, or when it's her fault, the whole situation, she doesn't get the ksuva. When it's his fault, she does get the ksuva. This is considered to be her fault, because even though it's nobody's fault that she can't go through with the procedure, she's just an arusa, not an asua. Nevertheless, 
It's seen as she didn't have to go in private in seclusion with this man after the husband warned her. So therefore, it's a case that can't be resolved. She's forbidden. She's seen as the sort of, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, responsible party. And therefore, she does not get aksuva. Now, the issue about the Yabam is interesting because Rashi says, you know, we discussed earlier what happens if a Shomer Yabam sleeps actually know, is known to have slept with another man. Is she forbidden to her husband or not? Right? And partly that gets to the question, her husband, or the brother. Is the brother now not able to do Yibam? Is that how much do we sort of see that like a woman who committed adultery, not because of the gravity of the sin, but because there's a quasi-marriage that has continued? How much would that make her forbidden legally on the brother? So Rashi says, um, even if she weren't forbidden on the brother, um, the brother would be entitled to say, but I, 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 I refuse to marry such a woman. So that's why she would be divorced without getting her ksuva. Tosus disagrees. Tosus says, we learned earlier that if a woman would not be forbidden had she done the act, then she cannot become a sota. She cannot become forbidden of being be suspected of having done the act. That should, sort of makes sense, right? <laughs> how, do, how does her status of a sota make her more forbidden than if it was known that she had done it? So Tosa says, we're working with the position that, um, that, uh, that, that uh, she is forbidden on her husband, or he gives a variant reading, which is a little complicated, I'm not going to get into, but anyway, the simple explanation is we're working with the assumption that, that if this Shemert Yabam slept with another man, she would be forbidden to her husband. Or, not her husband, the brother. Yes. Is there anything to say about the, the language? Below no, low no, low instead of a tate below, Oh. I don't know. That's an interesting question. Why doesn't it say tate say? Why doesn't it say tate say? Yeah, it's a good point. Because tate really is more relevant because, um, but, um, um, but, but the basic point is we're going to see cases that it's going to be that they are not loads ktsuvata. So it's interesting. So the easy thing to do is lo shatot v'lo not lot. First of all, there's a parallel. Lo shatot v'lo not lot. And then we're going to have the cases of lo shatot v'not lot. So it's just the easier sort of parallel. Yeah. There's more than one brother who yeah. does the uh, That is a good question. If there's more than one brother, is anybody, is anyone entitled to do the kinoi? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and, if she, and, if, and if she becomes, I don't think we discussed it either. And if she becomes forbidden on one brother who did the kinoi, does she remain permissible to the other brothers? Like, that's a really good question. Okay. Shenemar that a woman will stray from her husband and isha, her husband, means like not, like, like not her arus but her isha, like a full husband, to exclude the cases where the marriage is not yet full. Um, now, of course, then the question would be, so how do you know that they can go make her into a sota? How do you know that you can do the quinoa and that that part of the parsha still applies? And the Gemara will learn that out, that that part of the parsha still applies, even though you can't finish the procedure. Okay. Let's say the marriage, even before she was suspected of committing adultery, let's say the marriage was already forbidden for a certain perspective. Now, if it's forbidden like it's a kares, like it's a um, like it's a what do you call it? Like it's one of the uh, cases of incest. Um, um, then uh, the marriage isn't binding. But a marriage that's forbidden by an iser lav, the best examples are uh, isre kahuna, like grusha and chalutz, etc. Uh, could also take the case of a mamzer, the sin, uh, amoni, moavi, etc. But you know things that are a simple negative prohibition, the marriage actually is binding, even though it's in violation. So the question is, if somebody is in a marriage that a binding marriage that's in violation 
violation of the law because it's transgressing one of these negative prohibitions, um, is the husband entitled to uh, you know charge his wife and to make her into a sota and to bring her to the whole ba- the Beit Hamikdash? If at some level we should be saying you guys shouldn't be remaining married anyway, you should be getting divorced regardless. Okay, so that's what it talks about. So let's take a look. If a kohen gadol is married to a widow or a grusha, a divorcee or chalutza, a woman who's undergone chalitza is married to a kohen and yot, there's a question of chalutza's doraita or the Bavli tends to assume it's Durabanan for her to marry a Kohen. Manzeret unitinali Yisrael, or a, a, mom, a woman who's a mamzer, um, who's, or a teen who is one of the sort of Canaanite tribes or whatever, I don't want to get into Nisin, that's a whole discussion. Anyway, married to a normal Yisrael. Or, um, by Yisrael, a mom's on the team, let's say it's not the woman's issue, it's the man's issue. She's a totally normally born Jewish woman, and he is a mamzer or a teen. In all those cases, though there's a negative prohibition that is sort of, that about the marriage. Or Mas Yerushato. Uh, yeah, I guess that could be. In those cases, she doesn't drink she, because it is not considered Isha in the sense of a marriage that should be, that should be remaining. It is binding, but a marriage that, that's a legitimate marriage that should be remaining. So, um, but also, she doesn't get the Ketuvah because, again, you know, she is no, in a way, nobody is to blame that it's not not look tuva, that it's not, uh, that it's not, uh, shotot, but, uh, but, uh, she is still the one who went in, into seclusion after she was warned, so that is seen that if you can't finish the process, she doesn't get a ksuva. The aim lo shotot below not look tuva. That's interesting, we just gave a list of people that were lo shotot below not look, but now we're, but that's based on people whose sort of nature of their marriage is such that it excludes them from being shotot. Now we're gonna do with people who are not shotot because of the way the process took place. So let's take a look. Homeret me'ani, if a woman confesses her guilt, the shabola agency tmea, or if witnesses came that she had committed adultery, so there's no point in finishing the process then. The homeret ani shota, woman who refuses to drink. Okay, now, now, what? No, she's not lolok suvasa. The whole question was about well, right, yeah, after, after you, this, yeah, right. Assuming that that's this is before the war, right? There's some discussion after the name has been erased, but we're not getting into that now. So these cases, she, um, uh, you know, she, she's refusing or she's confessing or we know. So you're not going to go through the process. She's seen as the obstacle here, you know, or she actually has committed it or confessed to have committed it. So therefore she does not get her ksufa. These are not arusot. No, 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 that's what I said. First category was about the nature of the marriage. Now we're talking about normal marriage, the nature of the process. Okay. Um, now, um, Okay. Now, 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 though, we switch gears. Um, um, uh, let's say it's the husband who says, You know what? I know I slept her here, but I changed my mind. I'm, I refuse to go through with the process. And or the husband is the one that had sex with her after she doesn't literally have to mean by that, after she became a sota, before they did this process, and he's not allowed to. So in those cases, he is the problem. Not only is he not allowed to, but we say if he did, then the waters won't work. So he clearly is the one that's sort of preventing things from going forward. In that case, not los ksuva, the lo shotot. They do get the ksuva. They obviously can't think, but they do get the ksuva. He was to blame. And they now, continue remaining uh, married, right? Right, because she's still a sota. Now, let's say it's nobody's fault. Let's say the husband dies, okay? Act of God, before they got to it. Okay, so what do you do there? She gets the ksuva, and she doesn't drink. 
Either drink or don't get the ksuva. And since you can't drink, don't get your ksuva. Okay, so this is a case where nobody is to blame. Now, and um, but if still, the Shammai is willing to say maybe since he's in the end the one who died. Okay, so even when I have to blame in the sense of fault, he's the cause. So, whatever, that's a simple sense. We'll see in the Gemara how the Gemara understands it. We sort of attribute the problem to him, and therefore she's entitled to get her ketufa. Okay? So, um, so that is the debate there. So, basically, cases where either because of the nature of the marriage, or because of the nature of the proceedings, you cannot drink, so you don't, and when it's the husband's fault, um, she doesn't, she does get her ketufa. When it's not the husband's fault, um, she does not get her ketufa. Now, Tosos raises the question, which is, um, no, I thought this was Tosos. Hold on. One minute. No, okay, I thought it was another point. All right, let's go on. So it sounds like this. Um... Uh, uh, we're right. oh, talking about it. All right, fine. So now the word continues. Um, now, how about a woman who's not allowed, a marriage that's not allowed, but it's not allowed because you're violating a law. It's not allowed because you're violating some rabbinic issue. And even the rabbinic issue, it's not like chalitza, which is sort of an expansion of a dual right and so on. It's more, emer- and it has to do with personal status. It more emerges from a concern. What is that? That's a case of Menekes um, Kavero and Muberes um, Kavero. Uh, and the problem here is, so if a, if a man marries a woman while she is nursing um, a child, like the, the, her husband died and now she's nursing a child that she was left with from her previous husband, right? The concern is that if now this man will, uh, he won't be concerned, it's not his kid, um, and therefore uh, he'll have sex with the woman and she'll get pregnant and have another kid, and that will sort of, uh, there's a concern that that will sort of compromise her care for or her nursing of, you know, the current child. Um, so those types of so cases... So Muber Chambero is... Um, let me just, uh, one minute. Married was pregnant. Right. Basically, it's the same point. We don't want her to... If she now... She needs to be spending, like the assumption is, like the next two years, raising and taking, you know, taking a lot of focused care on this current child. So if, 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 okay. if, if it's your child, you the man, right, and you decide to have kids in quick succession, then that's your choice. But here we're concerned that he's not going to make a choice for the, you know, taking into account the welfare of the child because it's not his child. And they'll have a kid, you know, within, you know, within two years' time and that won't be necessarily the best decision for the current unborn or unborn child. So therefore we say that he should not marry her um, until, you know, during, you know, during that period for two years. Actually, it's interesting uh, because, you know, it raises an interesting question that Rav, um, uh, Rav Yehuda Herzl Henkin basically we said, you know, that he would like regularly, uh, Rabbi Yosef Elio Hankin said that, you know, in Lithuania, whatever, just in general, he would regularly uh, give heterium for women to use birth control for two years after they had had a child so that they could focus on the current child. And actually, he would extend it. He had three or four years or whatever. But here you already see in the Gemara, in a sense, for, you know, the Gemara isn't saying you, you, you can or you may or you should use birth control, but it's talking about, like, uh, an acknowledgement as to having children in quick success could be not for the welfare and if it's not your child we're concerned you won't make the right decision so, um, so anyway so what you're saying on the books there's a law not to marry a woman uh, uh, you know within two years yeah. of having a kid yes yes yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so he went and he did this, which is a rabbinic issue. It's not like an issue about personal status or whatever. It's a rabbinic concern around these cases. Um, you know, I mean, um, so what's the halacha now? And then, king of Anistara. So, is this considered like the case where, they're, where, they viol, where, they're viol, where, where the marriage is in violation of a biblical prohibition that he's not entitled to, to uh, make her drink because in some reason they shouldn't be married right now. Um, so, let's take a look. Um, so may apply the same principle. Yeah, for whatever reason, they shouldn't be married right now. You are not allowed to go through with the procedure. She can make her into a sota, can't go through with the procedure. No, because in that type of a case, he can, you know, he wouldn't have to divorce her. So if he, somebody went ahead and violated, they could go ahead and live separate. Um, and they wouldn't have to get divorced. We wouldn't demand that they got divorced. We would say, you know, go ahead, live separately, and then start uh, living together after the two years are up after the two years after the child is two years old so since we wouldn't demand a divorce in that case the, the marriage is legitimate and therefore they can go ahead and uh, and uh, go and do the and, and do the whole procedure do the show toast okay um is a king now now let's say this woman is for one reason or another not able to have children okay Ilanis is a woman that has very like masculine characteristics um, and is considered not only to not to be to be in fertile, but to actually, whatever, something, I, I don't know what exact condition it's referring to, but very sort of masculine characteristics. Um, an old woman who can't have children, Ainwilyulelet is interesting what it refers to. Rashi says it means that she drank some type of a thing that made her, that, that, that some sterilizing potion. Tosos has another explanation. Tosos says, why don't you just say Akara, which is like the classic yeah. biblical example of a woman who can't have kids, an infertile woman. But anyway, one way or another, it's a woman who can't have children. So in those cases, should we say, and the man is married to her, now, you could say, oh, so you can't say Vinixa Veniz Rosara. You could say the opposite. Maybe that's why they want to go through the process. So it's Vinixa Veniz Rosara or something. But no, that's not the issue. The issue is similar to what we've been discussing. Maybe we should say they shouldn't, be still, they shouldn't still be married. He should, because the man has a mitzvah for a They need to get divorced. He needs to have kids, etc. So is that enough of a reason to say since the ma- they shouldn't be married, we won't sort of call it Tachas Isha, like the case of the Lav and the other Wait, cases, sorry, and therefore she can't make her drink. He's been married for 50 years, right? Yeah. He can always take another wife. If it's so that's, well, let's see, that's going to be the response. Let's take a look. What about a katana? Is this the same thing? Does it fall under this? No. Because she can't... It's eventually. It doesn't matter. That eventually she will. This is a case where, right, where clearly this marriage will not be a marriage that will produce children. So therefore, what's the story? Okay? Ah, so that's the interesting question. But let's say he's already had kids with another wife. You know? So, or what? Or, um, right. I think that's why it gave the example of, oh, you're right, because Zakena is just older. Right? Yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah, the presumption is, is that they don't, they haven't had kids. Okay? Together, or even he hasn't had, hasn't fulfilled Peru. It's a very strange idea, because, you know, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with the marriage, especially in a polygamous society, we could marry another woman, right? But anyway, and especially if you see it as his obligation, not their obligation obligation, you know. So, anyway, let's take a look. It says, um, uh, where are we? Um, so the first ruling is, yeah, sorry, they shouldn't be married, so you don't get to do the drinking. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, 
What do you mean? You could always just marry another wife. You can even keep this wife. Okay, so we'll see what that debate is. I think our, our, our intuition goes with Rabbi Eliezer for a variety of reasons. Okay. Maybe she drink. Yeah. Vishar Kohanashim. So that's... Okay, so it's interesting, right? We started with women that were excluded because, of, because you know, the marriage wasn't complete. Um, then we sort of, it's sort of like we doubled back. Then we moved to cases where the marriage was in violation. Then we talked about problems that came as a result of the proceedings. And then we doubled back to talk about marriages that were in violation. Okay, but marriages that were in less violation. Not biblical violation, rabbinic violations of different sorts. Okay? And now we say, Bashar Kolanashim, all other women's Oshatot Olonot Ksuva. Okay, they get the choice. You're able to drink, so you either drink, and if for whatever reason you're not going to drink, you won't get your ksufa. Asia's Kohen, Shota Umiteras Ba'ala. The wife of a Kohen, once she drinks and she comes out, okay, she can go back to her husband. The Mercer says, like, Pshita, but given that the wife of a Kohen we know is, um, you know, uh, is, uh, it's more easy for a woman to be forbidden to a Kohen. We might have had some Havamina that, that uh, even after the proceedings there would be a problem. And we'll talk about that in the Gemara. Ashit Saris, a woman married to a man who is a eunuch, who is not able to uh, have a sex. Shota, sh- uh, well, yeah, but okay, we'll see. Shota, she, she will drink. Now, so that's interesting. Even though he right now cannot have sex with her, um, that does not seem somehow, re- that does not prevent her from, you know, from him saying you shouldn't be sleeping with other men. Nevertheless, the Gemara is going to raise the issue that we're going to see in a minute that um, a woman is only to go through this proceedings if she has had, um, if her marriage has been consummated with her husband if they've had sex okay um, so this case of Saris according to that understanding which isn't in the Mishnah but that's an understanding that the Gemara adopts um, would have to be a case that he became a Saris after their marriage had been consummated alright now let's say the man suspects her not just of committing adultery but of committing another sexual sin sleeping with her uh, brother I don't know so um, that that would, that, that, the fact that there's another sin independent of adultery going on um, does not prevent the proceedings of Sota. Because maybe you would have sort of said like a Kim Le One minute. Well, before we look at it as uh, adultery, you know, we have to sort of uh, look at it through this other lens. No. You can st- the, the, the process still works even in those cases. With the exception, the one case that, uh, uh, that she's suspected of that would not make her a Sota, suspected of sleeping with, would either be a minor or somebody who is not a man. Mm. So we'll have to see very suggestive phrase. I'll let you I'll let you imagine what that might be. We'll see it in the Gemara not today. Okay? <laughs> yes. A woman sleeping with a young boy is considered an ariot, but not vice versa. No, no, no. Arayot, no. These are not necessarily ariot. If you're suspected, of a woman suspected of arayot, then that is sota. Here is the only type of person a woman could be suspected of sleeping with that would not make her a sota. So this is not a subcategory. Right, this is not, necessi- this is not a subcategory of arayot. Okay, this is what type of men 
can she be suspected of and still be a sota? Yes, Arayot. But here are the following people that she could be suspected of sleeping with that would not make her sota. A minor and somebody who's not an ish. Is she suspected yeah. of sleeping with them? Or is Having sex. I'm being euphemistic. Thank you. But I was just wondering, like, with the, with the, with the young kid, that, I mean, at some point there's a question of whether or not he could have sex. So right. So, right. They can't, that the assumption is that they can't have sex. Well, no, no, no. It's not that they physically couldn't. It's not that they physically couldn't. It's that it's legally would not be significant. Okay. okay. All right. We'll see. Okay. But anyway, but now the interesting question is, I would ask, before you would get to Misha Inouish, which is very, uh, you know, subjective or whatever, provocative, I would ask, how about an Anju? Right? Let's say she's suspected of sleeping with an Anju. That's not mentioned either, right? So anyway, let's think about that. that. Could be Misha uh, I don't think that that would be Misha Inouish. So an Anju would not... Okay. Uh, also, it's not Tophi. Right, no, but things like... But, it, okay. but it's some of the, at some point, could be, right? Where's the common denominator? I, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. The Eilush are based in Mekanin land. Now, the following women, their husband is not in a position to do Kinoi, but the basin will step in on the husband's behalf if they sort of see that the woman is acting in ways that are raising suspicions and inappropriate and so on. Which is interesting because it gets to the question raised at the beginning of the Masechet, whether Asr Lakanos or Mutter Lakanos. Mm-hmm. So, maybe, this is sort of saying, like, if basin is stepping in for an absent man... It sort of seems like it's sort of saying mitzvah of lakanos, because who needs basin to get involved, right? Unless the point is that, you know, that for a normal husband who's acting out of his own jealousy and suspicions or whatever, that we might say asr lakanos, you know, because you have, could be a lot of other things going on there that's making you suspect your wife and some objective concern. But maybe if it's a third party, right, maybe our general principle could be asr lakanos for the husband, but if it's a third party that doesn't have a vested interest, doesn't have passions about this whole thing or whatever, and sees a problem, maybe it is their responsibility if the husband isn't around to do something to address it. So that's what our mission says. So the following the people, well, let's take a look. The following people, the basin would step in and represent the husband and do kinoi. By the way, that's a big chiddish. Whoever said that, anybody could be empowered to do kinoi other than the husband. Okay, anyway, the following people, the following cases, if the husband became a cheresh, a deaf mute, so he's not considered to be a bardat, uh, right? He's not considered to have a uh, legal power anymore um, to be um, uh, the or he became so one has to do with intellectual ability Shota is more like mental state he's got so, you know some very some, he's de- no, no Shota isn't demented Shota is more like like um, mental illness thank you um, or simply he's just not around he's being held in prison and he's not able to see what his wife is or isn't doing or he takes like you know he's like uh, uh, abroad would that be the same thing maybe although one may, may maybe then a message should be sent and he should come back and we shouldn't get involved at that stage exactly exactly here exactly here he's in, he cannot control the situation so in those cases Basin steps in that's a good point Lolash goes to Amru not that Basin would ever be able to represent husband to the point of making her drink which is like okay well that's really helpful because then what they do is they make her forbidden to her husband and since it can't be resolved, right? Because the husband isn't in a position to bring her to Basin and uh, to the to the Beit Hamikdash, and Basin can't. The immediate result 
result of them stepping in is divorce and don't get your ksuva. So here's a woman that Basin sees acting in a suspicious manner. Basin could just say, maybe force the husband to, I don't know, to divorce her. Well, first of all, the question, how do you get a, how do you get a divorce if the husband is a cherish or a shota? So that's anyway a problem. But, you know, so the whole thing, only once, if the husband gets better or gets released, well, maybe you could arrange for a get from prison, okay? But basically, rather than somehow sort of saying like, anyway, but Basin is doing is that Basin is not resolving, I mean, the way they resolve the situation is saying, we're going to try to get a divorce here and she won't get a tzuva. So no, Basin actually is empowered in order to make her drink. Okay? Because when the husband does get freed, he can make her drink on the force of the Basin's kinoi. So actually, this is something that does not necessarily directly translate into divorce with no ksuva. They are setting the ground when the husband is at a stage that he could divorce her if he gets better from his uh, mental state or if he gets freed or whatever. Maybe he doesn't have the divorce her. He can go through with the process at that stage. In the good, she's no good anyway because she's not having sex with her husband, right? I mean, it's not getting sort of resolved as it is anyway. I mean, well, she can't get a divorce when he's a cheres or a shota. The only case she could get a divorce where the husband is still not able to make her drink is from the prison. He could arrange and get from the prison, so right? Yeah, so that becomes a real big case about can you. Do, sort of like this is talking about the basin doing kinoi and steer on behalf of the husband. Can a basin give a get on behalf of the husband when the get when the husband is not is mentally incapacitated or is in a coma or whatever? There have been some recent cases in Israel about that. Yeah, that's a real case. Yeah. Just uh, for clarification on the, so the bottom line on the ground when youth and arayot is the right. capital crimes is execution if all the conditions apply. Correct. The only difference is the theological. Dimension of kareit in this case of arayot. In other words, I mean, well, yeah, some of the arayot are only kareit. Adultery, adultery, adultery is is punishable by the death penalty. Arayot, some are kareit, some are some are chayv misa, right? But yeah, so the bottom line, yeah. But the arayot have nothing to do with the fact that she's married. They're completely different types right, of a right, category, right, right. right? So maybe we would. So the chiddush is that we still frame it, and we're able to still keep the marriage framing and go through the sota process about that. Guilty. The arayot either. Right, exactly. <laughs> it clears up both problems. Exactly. So the first okay. case you're basically saying is that uh, they're, they're forcing a divorce. And not well, the funny thing is, they're not, they're only, the question is, right now nothing is happening because the husband's, husband's not in the state to give a divorce. So in the first case, I mean, okay, let's, let's bracket for a moment giving a divorce, arranging a divorce from prison. Okay, right now nothing is happening. So in the first opinion, what they're doing is they're laying the groundwork so that when, if and when the husband is in a state to go ahead and come back and be in a, and, and et cetera, et cetera, that now they've created a situation where he's going to divorce his wife without a ksufa. So, as opposed to had they done nothing, then maybe, uh, then he would come back and maybe, I don't know, continue living with her or who knows what. So it's like interesting about, you know, and is this really stopping her behavior? I mean, look, that's the other way of asking. Like, whose interests are they protecting? Are they trying to stop her behavior? I mean, if I was in that situation, the woman, and I was saying like, okay, look, either way, um, right now, 
now uh, I'm going to get divorced without a ksuva. There's no other way this can get resolved. Might as well just keep up the affair. What do I got to lose at this stage, right? So it's not really like stopping her behavior. So it seems like it's like protecting his interests, right? So you're going to come back. You're going to find out about this. You're going to want to divorce your wife, but then you're going to have to pay the ksuva. So we're going to get involved at this stage in order to say, you know, to protect your interests and make it easier. And maybe you won't want to divorce your wife and we think you should divorce your wife. So we're going to like uh, grease the, uh, you know, the, uh, what's it called? Grease the uh, wheels or something. Not pop, wheels or whatever. You know, skid. So that says, so make it that much easier. It is interesting, right? It's like, I think we should understand trying to represent his interests, but the problem is how, it doesn't exactly play out that way. You know, if we know he's been What? That's correct, but we don't know. Yeah. All we know is that they made her into a sozab through going through the process. We don't know what she actually did. But he's never going to get better. Right? You mean because he wouldn't be able to actually prove... Right. Exactly. There's no proof. There's just suspicion. She went into seclusion. They'll do Kinoi. She goes into seclusion. We're never, we don't have any evidence that she actually did anything wrong. Right? So, and we are turning the situation into one where there's only one possible conclusion when he shows up. So Divorce without a ksuva. There's a lower, uh, ed, like, necessary, lower level of necessary evidence to put someone through a social ritual than to give them a divorce without a ksuva. For sure. A divorce without a ksuva? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, there are cases where divorce could be without a ksuva, even not based on adultery and based on a whole series of inappropriate... Right, so there has to be good evidence. I mean, that's a separate question which we'll get to, like, in um, to vote. Wait, do we do to vote? No. Okay, I keep getting lost where we are now in Nushib. Anyway, uh, but anyway, <laughs> but we'll get to that about like what type of suspicions of adultery, etc. But the simple case of Sota, right, is that even with just going to seclusion is enough of a basis. It's not because now maybe you committed adultery. I mean, that is, but it's because now you're Sota and forbidden to your husband that their only result is... Yeah. yeah. But there might be other cases without black and white evidence that's enough to say divorce without a ksuva, that's a, that's a discussion, yes. It's an adjudication process that's in between hearsay and solid evidence right. of an act. Right, right, right. Well, but that makes... That's fine if there's a if I mean if there's a way of resolving you know the shotot. The interesting thing that we've seen in this Mishnah is that you can create that status even when from the outset there's no possible end result of shotot. That was a whole series of cases in the Mishnah where we knew from the get go there would not be shotot, but you could create that status. Well, logically you would say, why does the Torah allow that status if it can't be resolved? But the point might be, no. If there's those suspicions and those things happen and the husband wants that to be enough to for her to say like. You know, a suspected adulteress now ma- now now makes her forbidden. You know, creates a status even even without the possible resolution. Um, one minute. So, but anyway, but the point again to repeat here is: so might there be other cases that he would come back? First of all, he could come back and warn her again, right? Or could he, if she was continuing it, could he come back and find witnesses to create enough circumstantial? Maybe. Okay. But bottom line is, they're acting in a way. You know, when you say they're stepping in on his behalf, I was just saying, like maybe we say us. When it's your the own husband and he's passionate and subjective, but patience sees an objective problem that they want to address. But what, the question I want us to ask ourselves is, what have they achieved what, through this? They have not. I don't think they have stopped her behavior because once there's only one solution and it's the worst one possible, what's that certainly will not stop her from continuing this. And so we read which they've protected his. So why do they need to get in to protect his interests? What his financial interests? That's why they're getting involved. Well, presumably, yeah. But why is that their issue? They're 
only the only issue that I would understand is is that they're saying like we think the guy needs to divorce his wife given what we've seen so we're going to act in a way to pretty much ensure that he's going to divorce his wife okay that but I, I want to stands. Right. why should a Baton get involved in that no because it's because not because we, we think he should divorce his wife because they're fighting all the time. We think he should divorce his wife for halachic reasons because she's committed adultery. We're suspecting that she's committed adultery, and we don't want them. We don't right. We don't want them to remain married in that case. Yeah. So, can I infer from this that this is at some point he'll be able to take care of it if he's you know let's say in a coma right? Right. You know, which is the equivalent I guess of shot in this kind of a case. Yeah. They would say forget this whole kinoi thing. We'll just somehow write them again. Or no, well, they, we, I'm not getting into that question about whether you can do a get for guys in a coma. That's not clear. Yeah, they, okay, fine. Then they, they would just not do the shoto then. This, this kino then. Because there's no way he's going to be able to ever resolve this. No, maybe, maybe they just want to punish her. And that's, I guess, the other thing that we haven't looked at, you know. Maybe it's not going to stop her behavior, but maybe it's going to be a warning for future women. It's going to, and we want to punish her. Mm-hmm. So even if the guy is never able to give her a get, because he's a shoto, he's never going to get better, he's going to die or whatever, we have now punished her that she's not going to get her tshuva. Right, so I guess that's another way of thinking about it. It's not to protect his interest and not necessarily to end this marriage, but it's to prevent future types of cases. Right? If women see that when their husband's in prison, they know that they can't go ahead and do whatever they want, that there's going to be a response and that they're going to be stripped of their tshuva, you know, as a result, um, then hopefully that'll keep people in line. Right. Right. All right, guys, I'm with Chava. Enough. I don't know how we got onto all this. Okay. I know it's interesting. We have a daft to do. Okay. Mr. Um, okay, Gemara. Mr. Hudelo Shasya. Okay. So the Gemara says, um, okay, he doesn't. They, um, so in this case of Arus and Shemer Shabam, she can't be made to drink. Hakinoi Makaniva. But presumably, it's clear that you can do the Kinoi and make her into a Sota. How do you get this middle stage? Speak to Ben Israel and you should say to them, Ishish, Kitishto, etc. So what's the Daber Valmarta? Which is funny because the Gemara often makes a drush about that, but really it just says, speak saying the following, but it seems some, the Gemara seems to feel that Valmarta is it's superfluous. Oh, I don't know if that's what it is. Anyway, maybe. Lerabos Arusa Vishomeris Yabam, guys, Enough, enough. Mirabos Arusa Vishomer Yabam Lakinoi. So to tell you that double language is that not even an Arusa Vishomer Yabam are in the Parsha, even a bigger category than you would have suspected. Masnisin Mani, Rabbi Yonasan here. And it's Rabbi Yonasan. The Tanya, which underbites, we're actually now going to see that it's a debate. Tachas Isheikh. It says, Akisatis Tachas Isheikh, that you strayed from your husband. And Ishut here is the full marriage. Prat Arusa, which excludes the case of an Arusa, which is not Ishus. Yochol, I mean, it's, again, paper marriage, but it's not a full marriage. Now, interestingly, against our Mishnah, the Tanakhama says here, maybe Shemer Yabam would not be able to go through the process of Sota. Talmud Lomar, Ish Ish, Lerabos Rabbi Yoshaya. Rabbi Yoshaya says the double language of Ish Ish means that a Shemer Yabam, actually, there's enough of a marriage there, continuing from the dead brother, that actually can make her go through the whole Sota process, even to the point of drinking. Rabbi Yonason Omer, no, 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 no. He says, Shomer Yabam cannot make her go through the process. And not only that, to me it's more obvious that the Shomer Yabam is excluded than the Arusa. The first person I would exclude that's not the husband is the Shomer Yabam. Now, um, where are we? 
Maybe I won't exclude the Arusa case. Now there's another Tachas Isha, which means full marriage. So what you have to understand is there are two like debates, right? one halachic debate, but one conceptual debate. The, the, the halachic debate is that the first opinion, um, Rabbi uh, Yoshaya, actually says that a Shemert Yabam could be made to drink, okay, is, uh, is treated like a normal wife. And Rabbi Yonasan is our Mishnah that says that both an Arusa and a Shemert Yabam cannot be made to drink. Okay, so the debate is, can a Shemert Yabam be made to drink? The other debate is, which is the more, of the two, which is more obvious to exclude, to say is not considered Isha, okay, Ishut, okay? So, Rabbi Oshaya obviously thinks that an Arusa is more obviously to exclude because he thinks that a Shemet Yabam does drink. But the other position, Rabbi Yonasan says, no, the first one I would exclude is a Shemet Yabam. So what's that debate about? So the Gemara gets, says, says the following, Mar Alimale Arusa, one of them thinks that an Arusa is more of an Ishut, a, ma- a, a woman that a man married. The Kiddushi Dide, first of all, he initiated it, so he, like, you know, there's a conscious choice to make her, you know, his wife. And she's fully married, she would get skewed if she committed adultery. So it's full marriage, like they're 100% married, it's just they haven't begun to live together. But, you know, it was a, it was a choice of the two of them, and it's completely binding. Okay? Um, what? Yeah. Right. Against it, they get the no, 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 no. I mean, it might not be the same, but the question is not is it the same as Nisuin? The question is, is it as, like, is it, which, it's weightier, right? It's, it's very, very weighty if you get, if, you get if, if adultery is punishable by death, the nature of the, right, of the, of, of the relationship is a very heavy one, it's a very weighty one. Okay, so it's not that it's the same as Nisuin, it's just that it's more closer to full Yishut than Shemer Yabam. Shemer Yabam, you didn't will it, it was dumped on you, and the woman would not get a heavy punishment if she committed adultery. So this is a much more weighty relationship. So that's the one that you're more likely to include. Umar, Alimale, um, Shemer Yabam, and the other one says, no, Shemer Yabam is more the one that, that should be included. Because it almost happens automatically. You don't have to do an act of going to the chuppah. You don't need to proceed it with a kiddushin. You just sleep together even if you're not intending to sleep together. And then it actualizes the sort of latent uh, marriage that's already there. So therefore, there's more of a marriage that's present and ready to be actualized. Okay? So, um, so they have the different approaches. Now, bottom line though, Rabbi Yoshai, it's not just a hypothetical. Rabbi Yoshai in practice actually says that the case of Shemet Yabam, the brother, and again, it's a real good question if there are multiple brothers, but we'll bracket that. The brother can make her drink, you know, even, you know, for suspecting her and can go, make her go through the whole process, whereas the Arus cannot. Okay, so that's really, and that's Rabbi Yoshai, that's not our Mishnah. So now let's see if the Gemara continues with that debate. Okay, so the Mishnah is like this. Um, so, oh, but I'm sorry. The other point, though, is so based on the pasuk of Tachasi Sheikh, we exclude one or both of these women from going through the process. On the other hand, from the pasuk of Daber B'nei Israel Amarta, we include them in the parsha to some degree. So, how do we balance that? They're included in the parsha for the beginning of the parsha. Mm-hmm. What's the beginning of the parsha? Daber B'nei Israel Amarta is right at the beginning. That's the key way. Mm-hmm. They're excluded where it says Tachasi Sha or Tachasi Sheikh, which is the end of the parsha. Show, which is the drinking. 
So they're excluded from the drinking, but they're included in the quinoa. Okay? No, what you can do, you warn, no, no, again, remember, quinoa for the Gemara is a legal process, right? You warn her and she goes into seclusion and that makes her forbidden as a sota. Whereas if we would say she's excluded from quinoa, even if the husband was jealous and warned her in seclusion, she wouldn't have a halachic status. She has a, when, once you go through these stages, halachically she's a sota, which means they're forbidden, they're forbidden to sleep together, right? No but we have no process for resolving it, right? Which is the... Well, he gave her a divorce. Exactly. You know, then no right. Right. Okay. So the says, okay. Hi, my Rabbi Yonasan, hi, ish, ish, my What does Rabbi Yonasan do with ish, ish, which Rabbi Yoshaya used to include the case of Shomer Yabam? So, me bayalei, the rabbis, eshes cheres, eshes shotav, eshes shiamum. Conclude the case that you said the basin can, at least, at least the basin can represent and do kinoi for the wife of a cheres, the wife of a shotav, and what shiamum, shiamum seems more Rashi says, uh, it seems like another case of a meant like a fugue state or something not so much of a mental illness in terms of processing reality but more just in able fundamentally to like be able to relate to reality um, Rabbi Yoshaya let's focus Rabbi Yoshaya says so Rabbi Yoshaya what does he do with Tachas Isha because Tachas Isha for Rabbi Yonasan excluded a Shomer Yabam so Rabbi Yoshaya who includes a Shomer Yabam what does he, what does he do with Tachas Isha which seems to exclude certain cases so okay to connect the man to woman woman to a man what that's about we'll get to in like two days let's not worry about that right now fine now the verse says like this Ella timer exceed honey cry so the reason that uh, you know we are excluding an Arusa or a Shomer Yabam and or a Shomer Yabam not or whatever anyway is because of the, the verse the Pasuk says it's not full Ishus and that's why they're being excluded if it wasn't for the verse of Isha, we would say, then Arusa could be made to drink, right? If we did not sort of have that word that suggested it had to be a full marriage. So the verse says, one minute. came from the south. He came and he brought the following bright in his hand. And this is what I referred to earlier, which isn't in the Mishnah, but is a teaching that the Gemara, that's presented here, that the Gemara embraces. And it's the following teaching. It says, and a man lied with you um, other than your husband. So that's the Pasuk. And the, and the Drush is the following. You could only do the process of Sota if the husband and wife have consummated the marriage before she might have had sex with another man. Okay? So... He had to have been there first, essentially. But if they never consummated their marriage and then she was suspected of sleeping with another man, he would not be able to make her undergo this process. Now that's very interesting, right? What is that about? I mean, one way about thinking about that is it's a type of point of similar to our Mishnah, which is, uh, what do you call it, which is um, the degree of Ishut, right? Only if the marriage has like fully been actualized and realized and not even that they just started living together and stood under a chuppah, but they've actually been intimate and have sex only at that full stage of Yishut right only then is when he is able to um, you know to be in that sort of position to, um, to do this um, it could be one also though wonders um, and I don't know if I've raised this before but um, you know the, uh, there's, uh, there definitely seems to be 
Um, you know, people say this from position of evolutionary biology, but the Ramban also says it just from Pshat of the Psukim. There seems to be a concern, one of the main concerns, or a, a, a possible serious concern about adultery, is the concern about raising another man's ch- children. Right? About, like, if another man slept with my wife, then those ch- children are not mine. And that's the concern about the issue about Zerah. Okay? So, for, so the, so the, um, so it's, um, the, the, the Pesuk is, the Shechav Ish Ota Shechvat Zerah. Why does they shichvat zera? Right? Halachically, it would be the same. It would be the same issue if they had sex without ejaculation. So, and so we don't even interpret shichvat zera halachically. We don't. You know, we ignore that that point. Okay, it has to be maybe royal, whatever. Anyway, but what's the point? So the Ramban says the point is that the reason the man is so jealous is because there's this concern about like deep, deep down, which he might not even articulate to himself. It's like if another man slept with my wife, then are these my kids, okay, and, um, and so, um, and that is actually interesting, just to say an aside, where Moshe Feinstein basically had no problem with the idea of artificial insemination using another man's sperm, because obviously any concept of adultery or whatever only comes through an act of sex, so even if it's another man's sperm, big deal, and other postkim, like the Tzeliezer, said that, what are you talking about, it's quasi-adultery, and the children will be quasi-mamzerim, because another man's sperm, even without a sex, is, a, is, is, is pretty much adultery, is what he said. And he quotes the Ramban on the Parsha of Shechvat Zerah where the Ramban says that's like that's what the, one of the concerns of adultery is. That's another man's seed. So if you have another man's seed without sex it's a, almost like it's adultery. So Rav Moshe in a fascinating Gachuva basically said like I don't know what he's talking about. I only I don't, he's obviously being influenced by outside values. These are not Torah true values. I only do halacha. I'm not influenced by such stuff which is so fascinating because it's actually like Pshat of the Pesukim, it's a Pshat, the Ramban says it, and like this dismissing of this is completely foreign values. But anyway, from a legal position, it's not adultery without an act of sex. The reason I raise all of this here is because, is it possible a man is concerned that they're not his kids if he's never had sex with his wife? Sure. But nevertheless, I think, you know, the, well, first of all, then he'll know they're not his kids if he's never had sex with his wife. But I think that, again, what we see, this focus on, like, Zera, you know, the, you know, and uh, you know, my kids, mine, etc. You know, Vinikasav and Izrazara is the end of the Parsha as well. So I do think that that might be a piece of this idea about why, like, they have to have already consummated their marriage for this whole Parsha to be why, relevant. Yes. Why is the connection made between Zera and other friends' children? Yeah. And adultery as opposed to Kimu. In other words, I can imagine every time you see that child, yeah. the feelings of, of right. rage and jealousy come up again. Right. Right. It's not exactly the same as as adultery because you could have an adulterous act without producing. Right. Right. I, I'm not sure what you're saying. In other words, just re- I'm just saying. I'm not saying adultery is only about that, but I'm right. saying that that uh, that that part of what fuels the kinoi, the kinoi is, uh, you know, that's a piece of what's going on here. I think Gilgul, you can still get her for those other time frames. That's true. Okay, let's go on. Okay, so anyway, but that's a very important and interesting halacha that it can only apply once it's been once it's been uh, what's it called consummated. So Amarami Barcham. So anyway, that's a good question. Um, let's say to drink, certainly to drink it. That's a very good question. I don't know. I have to check on that. But why do we have to exclude an arusa? Well, well it's got to be to drink it because yeah. you can make an you can do quinoa by an arusa without having had sex, right? So it would be only drink. So why do we have to exclude an arusa from a pasuk of tachas isha? Let's just exclude her because from drinking because they haven't had sex yet, 
with her husband. Okay? So the Gemara says, Amarami Barchama Mishkachas Lachigon Shabala Arus Savia. Oh, no! Maybe she did have sex with her husband while she was still in Arusa. You know, there they were. She's still living in her father's house. The emphasis of Savia is they haven't made home together. She's still living in her father's house. It's the period of betrothal. But they got a little carried away, so they had sex before the Chuppah, okay? And she would still be in Arusa. Now, by the way, um, in Ksuvas, we will find out that that actually was the Minog in Yehuda, which is that they would go in private. Um, they wouldn't Dafka have sex, but they'd spend time together in private after the Aresin, and the Gemara acknowledged that sometimes it would lead to sex. But nevertheless, sex does not automatically make a woman who's an Arusa into an Asua when it's not in the context of beginning the married life, when it's not in the context of Nisuin. Rashi is actually interesting. Rashi says, Arus Pavesavia, Biznus. So I assume what Rashi means when he says biznus, I mean, for God's sakes, they are legally married, but I assume he means not in the context of now we're beginning our married life together. Okay? So anyway, so it is possible. So that's how you have it. So the Gemara says, and that's how, why in that scenario, we would have thought that he could make her drink, and the Pusik says he can't make her drink. So now the Gemara continues. One minute. But how do you have the case of Shemer Siabam where they've had sex? Where, where she's not yet his wife. As soon as they've had sex, right? Anybody remember, you know, Yavamus, even if it's like, uh, unintentional to, for, well, you know, or whatever, they, you know, whatever the circumstances are, automatically that actualizes the full issues. So, how can you have a case? Why do we need to exclude, according to Abionis on Shemer Yabam, if you'll never have a scenario where they've already had sex and her still being a Shemer Yabam? So the Gemara says, I don't know. So that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara says, like the Yabam had sex with her while, he, while she was in her father-in-law's house meaning it's funny that phrase that way while she was in her let's say dead husband's house maybe after her husband died she went to live with his, with his father anyway you calling her still a Shemesh Yabam if they've already had sex she says for wife Damar Rav Rav says that even if they have sex with the case of Shemesh Yabam not in the context of starting of like of like of, like, um, of starting the the, the marriage, you know, they just have sex like business, as it were. Rav still says that, that, that I don't care what the context is. You know, it's a full marriage. Okay, so dead husband's father. Yes. Come in. Right. Okay. So, um, so, uh, so, 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 ha- so, what's the case? We well, have Shemet Yabam after sex that you needed the Pasuk to exclude it. So the Gemara says, Kishmuel, the Amar, Lo Kanel, Advarim HaMorim, Beparsha. Now, Shmuel says that if they're having sex, but it's not in the context of starting the marriage, if they're having it business, as it were, then yes, she's legally his wife, and if she were to commit adultery, she'd be, you know, she'd, 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 she would be a capital crime, etc. Um, and if she, it's Lachim Shem Achiv HaMate, if, you know, she is, he now inherits his bread, dead brother's estate. Those things are true, but it is not fully suing. Okay, until you basically plan for it to be a married life together, you know, you have something similar to a chapa, like you have sex in the context of Nisuin, it's not full Nisuin. So it's sort of like, a, a, it's almost like a root Aresin. I mean, it doesn't say that. She's legally 100% his wife now. Again, you know, adultery would be a capital crime. Other things that apply to the parsha, la hakim sheimachiv, etc. But it's more like Aresin than it is like Nisuin. But he still has a supporter, right? Uh, yeah. So anyway, but the Gemara says, so according to Shmuel, you could have it, a, t- a type of a Shomer Yabam after sex. And that's what you needed the Pusset to exclude. Okay, because she's not fully his wife, 
And the same way an arusa could exclude its Shemer Yabam after they've had sex. So the Gemara says, Ihachi, Lema Rav Damar Krebi Yoshaya, Vishmul Damar Krebi son. Oh, so let's say, therefore, that Rav, who says that it is there, that after sex they, she's fully his wife, so for him he must say like Rabbi Oshaya, because Rabbi Oshaya says that the uh, Shomer Yabam um, does drink. So now we understand why Rabbi Oshaya says the Shomer Yabam does drink. It's a little funny. The Shomer Yabam does drink because there's no such thing as a Shomer Yabam. Because basically, after they've had sex, he's his wife. But that's why he's saying she'll drink. And Shmuel, who says the Shomer Yabam doesn't drink, is like Rabbi son. I mean, Shmuel says that he's not fully his wife, says like Rabbi son that she doesn't drink. That sort of matches up. So the Gemara says, we'll just do the answer. Amalacharav, I would tell you no. I could say like Rabbi son that the Shomer Yabam after sex doesn't drink. Since you needed a pasuk to exclude the shomer yabam, so without the pasuk, I would have said 100% his wife. But but now the pasuk is telling you. Now this is crazy. Now according to Rav, what we're saying is that they had sex. She's 100% his wife, right? After yibum, right? Did the act of yibum, 100% his wife. Nevertheless, the whole partial sota doesn't apply. Because, it, why? Because it's not a marriage that he chose, because it's a continuation of the brother's marriage. Meaning, until now, the reason you can't do the shota is because the marriage was not yet complete. Rav is now saying, I could in theory say that the Pesach is teaching you that after sex, because it's coming through Yibum, that nevertheless that's excluded from the category of Sota. Okay, let's just finish one more line. The Shmuel Amar Anadam Yafil Rabbi Yoshaya, I would say even like Rabbi Yoshaya, who would, who would include a Shemer Yabam, if you needed the Pesach to include Shemer Yabam, it means that she's not fully his wife. So yes, I mean that's what we were thinking until now. Yes, Shomer Yabam is not fully his wife, but it's close enough that it's being included, okay? So Shmuel could say, I would say after sex with Indun Biznus, she's not 100% his wife, and nevertheless, even though not 100%, she's enough in the Parsha to be included for the drinking of the Sota. And Rav could say, I would say that after sex, she's fully his wife, and nevertheless, since it's coming through Yibum, she's excluded. Okay, and with that we...